I am super excited about today. There's just so much good stuff going on. Um, we've got a family meeting right after the service. We've got uh, baptisms. We've got new house churches. There's, there's all kinds of, of great things going on. My wife and I were in San Francisco uh, this week uh, celebrating our 19th anniversary. It was a little delayed uh, anniversary trip, but we had this amazing, incredible trip. We got home at 11 o'clock last night. Uh, and just went straight to bed. We like told the kids about our trip. We bought them some little gifts, gave them to them, and said, we're going to bed. Went to bed, um, woke up this morning, and we had uh, a meeting at church this morning. Uh, we had uh, a welcome to the family meeting, joined the family, and we had a bunch of people that joined the family and said, we want to make the church your, their home, which is always exciting. And so Sarah and I were there meeting with them, eating breakfast, which we had um, Marietta local sandwiches. Did anybody see that in the back there? I don't think you guys were as excited as you should have been that there was a bunch of sandwiches back there. Cole's excited. I, yeah, that's some good stuff back there. There might be some leftovers still back there, but grab some of that. Um, no, they're gone. Well, you were excited about it. Uh, so we, we had this meeting. Everybody was excited, and Sarah and I were, were, were meeting and praying with people and talking with people, and, and then um, the, the band and some prayers gather up in the balcony before the service every week, and so I'm sitting up in there in the balcony, and um, I get a phone call on my phone, and... Uh, now, I, I want you all to know that I love my children and that I'm a good father, and, and I don't want any of you to leave the church because of this, but I do want you to understand that um, we don't have to be perfect because we love Jesus. And the phone call was my nine-year-old daughter, uh, and I recognized right away because she FaceTimed me that she was in her bedroom, and I thought Sarah brought her to church, and she thought that I brought her to church. <laughs> And she was asleep in her bed. Uh, and so we left my daughter at home this morning. So Sarah said, honey, stay with me on the FaceTime call. I'm driving right now home to get you. Drove home and got Claire and brought her to church. And Claire texted me and said, you owe me Starbucks for this. Uh, so I don't think she was too traumatized because of it. Um, but I just feel like maybe we should pray for me before we start the service this morning. So can we start with just a word of prayer before I start preaching? Father, we just thank you that you're good, that you're with us, that you're moving in this place, and we just want to be where you are, and we want to meet with you today, and we want to grow in our knowledge of you, and so I just pray that you would use this time for your glory. Um, Lord, teach me to get out of the way of what you're doing. Um, give me clarity of thought, and help me not to leave my children at home. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, we're, we're in a new series called Under Grace, and we're walking through the book of Galatians. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can open there to Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. Didn't Douglas do an amazing job last week kind of introducing us um, to this kind of uh, what it looks like for us to live under grace versus under the law? Uh, and I'm really excited about us spending the next eight or so weeks just kind of diving deep into what does grace look like and what does Paul's letter to the Galatians reveal to us about his goodness. Um, I, I was working in a church in Louisville, Kentucky. I was the youth pastor, and um, I, I, it was a big church, uh, and they were, they were in this building campaign, and they were getting ready to build... Um, New, new gyms is what they were going to build. And so this was one of those um, really big churches. There was about 35,000 people that go there every weekend. And they had decided they were going to add four more gyms. Now, they already had four gyms. 
Um, so they wanted eight gyms because the basketball program was growing and the, the kids' ministry stuff was growing. There was all this stuff growing, and, and they had made this decision, and, and the pastor had stood up at, on Sunday and said, I, I want you to build this building, and, and it just, I don't know. Uh, people were, I guess, excited about it, and, uh, and, and I went home, and I, I had been working at the church for two or three years, and, and at this time of my life, I didn't really... Um, I, I grew up in a, in a world where the Trinity was Jesus, um, God, and the Bible. Uh, anybody else grow up in that? Like, the Holy Spirit was like the weird uncle uh, who, like, we kind of talked about him, but not a whole lot, and, and we were kind of afraid of him. And, uh, and so I had grown up in that kind of culture, and, and I was kind of new to, like, hearing from the Lord or getting revelations or visions or dreams or pictures. And, and we had this Sunday morning, and, and I just thought of this the other day. Um, this is the first time I had a dream that meant something from the Lord. And I went to bed and I had this dream and I had this dream of a new youth building. And I had this dream of like kids sitting at coffee tables talking to one another with leaders around them, discipling them. And I had this picture of sitting up in the balcony and looking down over this like sea of kids that were being discipled by adults uh, wrapped around tables. And and. The Lord, I felt like, was saying to me really clearly, why are you building a gym? And, but you got to understand, like, I was not the pastor of the church at this time. I was like 25 years old, 20, no, I was probably 29. 29, it's, they're all the same. You guys think you're older when you're 29. It's all the same when you get to my age. Right, I was in my 20s, which means I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, like, I, I was, I, I did not have like some power position at the church where like everybody listened to me. I was not preaching every week at this time. I was just like a lowly staff person who took care of the kids. And the Lord was like, don't build a gym, build a youth building. And I was, I said to the Lord, I just remember saying to the Lord, like, how do I tell people this? Like, how do I tell everybody, like, hey, this is, and so I just started praying and saying, Lord, I don't know how to tell anybody what you told me, and so you've got to show me how to tell people. Because what I'll do is just be like, thus saith the Lord, everybody, like, knock it off, we're not building this, I'm going to hold out signs in front of the church or something, like, I'm going to make people mad in meetings, I'm going to do all, and so I just started sending, like, these emails of, like, hey, I think God's speaking to me, and I think this is weird, but I want to tell you what I'm thinking, and, um, and I get a call from the senior pastor, and, and like, this was, this is an enormous church, like, I didn't really know the senior pastor, got to be honest with you. Like, I was, a, I was like a lowly, it was a, it was a big place, uh, right? Uh, and, and the senior pastor called, and every time he called, it meant I was in trouble. That was, that was the pattern of how it had worked at this point. And I get this call that says, hey, I, I, I got this email about your dream, and, and could we go to lunch and talk about it? And we sat down and started talking about it, and he said, I've been sensing the same thing and feeling the same thing, and I think we've got to figure out how do we turn the direction of this and build a youth building. And so all of a sudden, like all, God just started orchestrating all these pieces and all these, and it was a month later that that pastor stood up in front of the church and said, hey, we're not building a uh, gym, we're gonna build a youth building now. And God did this thing, and, and I'm praying that he's still using that building, uh, and that there's kids that are still being discipled there, and good things that are going to be happening. And, and in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul has an even crazier revelation from God. 
And it has to be one of those moments where Paul is thinking like, how do I tell everybody what just happened to me? And so can I read this? Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it from a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul, who is a persecutor of the church at this time, who is incredibly devout, he talks about this, who is growing in his stature as a Jewish leader, is walking along this road, and on this road he has this encounter, this revelation, this moment where Jesus breaks through and speaks to him and gives him a new vision that would radically transform the way the church has operated, right? It's a bigger vision than we're not going to build a gym, we're going to build a youth building. It's like... No, the gospel is for everybody. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for the chosen people. It is, a, it is by grace, through faith, offered to the world, to the Gentiles. It's a dramatic, radical shift in methodology, in mindset, in training. It, this revelation changes absolutely everything. Right? It changes the way the church will operate forever. And I imagine Paul gets this revelation, and I imagine him saying, all right, what do I do with this one? Like, do you go to the leaders of the church and are like, hey, Jesus told me we got to change right now? What do you do when God speaks and reveals something to you, and, 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 and it reveals that everything needs to change? And so what I want to talk about today is this idea of how God speaks. I, I, I believe that God speaks through his word. Right? I think we all know this. I think we understand this, that God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword, that it, that it works in our hearts, that there's power in it, that in God's word is the power to teach us, that we can find the heart of God in his word. But I also believe that he speaks through revelation. I also believe that there's moments for us, like Paul, where we are journeying down the road and suddenly we have an encounter with Jesus that changes everything, that radically transforms the way that we see God. And I want you to understand that, the, that what we often do is we put God in a box. I think this is what I did for maybe the first 10 years of my relationship with him, is I believed that the only way that God could speak was right here. This was the only way that God could speak, was through his word. I did not believe that God could speak outside of his word. And I want you to understand that the Bible does not contain God, it reveals God. The Bible does not hold him in a box, it reveals his nature and his glory. So what often happens is our lack of faith masquerades as wisdom. And so we, 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 we kind of set up these postures where something miraculous happens or something incredible happens or somebody's healed or some kind of revelation happens or God's speaking or God's moving and what we want God to do is we want him to prove that it's real rather than having the faith to accept that God is moving and working. We want to see the x-rays to know that somebody's healed. We want to hold on to the doctor's report before we trust it. I remember there used to be this church down the street from our church, and there was all this miraculous stuff happening there. And anytime someone would come to me and they would say, what do you think about that church down the street? I'd be like, eh, I don't know. Seems like God's not doing that stuff in our place, so I'm guessing he's not doing it anywhere. And I would masquerade wisdom as a lack of faith. I didn't actually trust that God could do something that I didn't understand. 
I didn't actually trust that there was a mystery of God and that God was working and moving in ways that were hard for us to comprehend and in ways where he would speak through miracles, he'd speak through visions, he'd speak through prophecy. And what we want to do is we want to see proof rather than trusting. And I believe that God is working in so many different ways. Some of us, we deny, our, we deny others' experience of God because it wasn't our experience of God. Have you ever done that? Like you hear somebody else's story and you're like, eh, I'm not so sure about that. I don't know. That seems a little far-fetched. Um, and what happens is, well, this is how we build camps around the church, right? This is how denominations start. As we take secondary issues, we take things that are not primary issues and we divide around them and we start to just say like, this group is in, this group is out. If you do communion this way, you're in. If you do communion this way, you're out. If you do baptism this way, you're in. If you do baptism this way, you're out. If you believe this about the liturgy, you're in. If you do this, you're out. And we create all of these walls and borders that we protect and all of these things that turn secondary issues into primary issues and deny the mystery of God. Now, I I want you to understand, I love the Bible. Like You will be hard-pressed to find someone who is more in love with God's word than I am. Like, I long for God's word. I want to read it. I want to study it. For, for my entire life, I've done these, uh, these um, personality trait kind of things where you, where you discern how do you feel closest to God. Every time I take that test, you know how I feel closest to God? It's when I'm reading his word. That's when I feel closest to him. It's when I'm reading his word, when I'm learning things about him, when I'm studying, when I'm revealing things. And I long to hear him speak through his word, but I also long to hear him speak through my spirit. I also long to hear him speak through a prophetic word. I long to hear him speak through worship. I long to hear him speak through healing and mystery and dreams and visions. I long to hear the voice of God and be close to him all of the time, over and over and over and over again. One of the most important things that I've learned is in essentials, there's unity. In the primary issues, there's unity. In, in, in the non-essentials, there's liberty. And in all things, there's charity. And so we define for us, this is what churches get to do. We define for us, what are the essentials? What are the things that we hold close? Jesus, salvation, the mystery of God, the character of God, the Holy Spirit moving and working. What are the things that we hold and how do we live out our faith? Because sometimes what we want is we wanted God to give us a rule book or a flat book that just tells us all the rules and regulations. What God didn't do when he gave a revelation to Paul is write it in his word. There was not an Old Testament passage for him to go to to say, hey guys, here's what it says in Habakkuk, and this is what we need to do. He revealed it, and it became his word. His revelation became the word in which they stood on. And so what we need to do is we we get to discern what's what's God doing? What's he up to? How's he speaking? And and, and we learn how to trust what what the Father gives us. And we understand this, that God never violates his word. Are you with me? He never violates his word, but God will violate our understanding of his word. God is constantly expanding my vision of how big he is and how mysterious he is. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know. Are you with me? The older I get, the more I realize I'm an idiot. 
The more I realize that I used to believe this was certain and now I'm just not so sure. Now I'm discerning and I'm trying to understand and God's showing me new things and revealing me new things through his word and through his revelation and over and over again. In fact, when the Bible talks about the word of God, there's two different words for it. The first is logos. Logos is the written word of God. It's right here. It's the written word of God, which has power for us. Psalms 119 says we learn to treasure his word in our hearts. We learn to seek him in his word. We value scripture. We lift it up high. But there's also the other word for it is not logos. It's rima. You know what rima is? It's the whisper of God. It's the utterance of his voice. It's that God speaks to us over and over again. It's a freshly spoken whisper to us. It's God operating outside of the pages, but giving words to our hearts. It's God giving prophetic words for us. It's God giving revelation. And the spoken word never replaces the written word, but it becomes a place where we begin to evaluate, does the spoken word line up with the written word? And so what we do in community is we filter the logos and the rima together. Because I believe that God speaks in crazy ways. I believe that he speaks through his written word. I think we can all agree on that, right? He speaks through his written word. And, and there's some of you in this room who have never heard God speak outside of this book. And I want to invite you into something bigger today. I want to invite you into a relationship with not just the Bible, but with his Holy Spirit that wants to speak to you and guide you and direct you and lead you. I believe that God speaks in an audible voice. It only happened one time to me in my life. I was sound asleep and I heard a voice. I'm not kidding. I heard a voice that woke me up out of my sleep and it was the weirdest thing and I, look, I looked around and I was like, that's a man's voice and the only one sleeping beside me is Sarah and she doesn't talk like that and my kids were little at the time so they didn't have deep voices like they had now and there was not a creepy man wandering around our house. There was a voice that spoke loudly and clearly to me in the middle of a dream. I believe that God speaks through his audible voice. I believe that he speaks through his whisper. I believe that there is utterances of the Holy Spirit. I believe that as we worship together every week, I'm actually praying like, God, speak. God, speak. God, to every heart in this room, speak, right? Reveal your nature. Reveal who you are. Bring us closer to you. In, in our gratitude for you, would you reveal yourself to us? As we praise you, would that become a pathway where we can discover who you are? Would you give us your mind and your heart, and would you speak to us over and over again? I believe that God is always whispering. So what we say around here is, is the issue is not that God is not present. The issue is that we're not present to him. God is always present and at work. He's always speaking. He's always moving. And as we spiritually mature and spiritually grow, what we learn to do is we learn to be in his presence. We learn to be with him. Um, I'm going way too slow. God speaks through dreams. I, I believe that without a shadow of doubt. Over and over again, he does this. Uh, I believe that God speaks through prophecy, through other people's words for me. Uh, I believe he speaks through visions and pictures. I believe he speaks through worship. All the time he speaks through worship to me. All the time. I believe he speaks through his nature. Have you ever been outside and just wanted to give God glory? Just wanted to say like, thank you, Jesus. Like that sunset, that's you. That's your revelation. That's, that's, I can see you in the, in the mountains. I can see you in the rivers. I can see you in the rain. I can see you over and over again. I believe that God is always speaking. And, and the other way that I believe God speaks is however he wants to speak. 
I don't want to put him in a box of categories. That's what we often do in churches. We're like, these are, the, these are the five ways that he can talk, and if he speaks in another way, that's not him. I believe God can speak however he wants. I think he could speak through a cheeseburger if he wanted to, right? I, that would be weird, but I, like, however he wants to move and work, I, I'm constantly saying to him, like, Lord, I want to be a surrender-yielded vessel to you, and however you want to speak to me, speak to me. And you know what God does sometimes? Is he speaks to me through people that I don't want to hear him through. Has he ever done that to you? Like, Lord, could you have somebody else tell me that? Because I could hear it from them, but I don't want to receive that from this person. He does that all the time, and he's always working and revealing, and he's trying to teach me to be humble and to receive him. And so what's always happening, and, and, and we could spend weeks on this, so we've got five minutes, right? What's always happening, and I think we've got a little triangle here. Can we get that up on the screen? Is he's working through revelation, interpretation, and application, Maybe we don't have that. Um, revelation, interpretation, and application. So what God does is he speaks, he reveals something. And, and, and as he reveals something, what we do is we then begin to interpret it. So this is what we teach when we train leaders at Gravity Leadership, which is a company that I work for. We train leaders to get curious about what God is up to. And so when you sense that God is speaking, the posture that we take is curiosity. We start to dig we start to say, all right, Lord, that's weird. That's the third time this week somebody's said that same phrase to me. Why does this phrase keep coming up? Is there something that you want me to pay attention to here? And we get curious, and we start digging into the interpretation. And then we invite others into that. We invite the written word of God. We have actually filters that we discern what God is saying. So, so here's the fear. When I start talking about prophecy and I start talking about God speaking and I start talking about revelation, everybody's like, well, what if we just go crazy then? Right? What if we just start chasing everything? What if things get too wild? What if things get too out of control? And I want to suggest to you a little bit that the New Testament felt a little crazy and out of control. Not a lot of affirmation there, but if you read the New Testament, guys, I'm telling you, it's a little wild what's going on there, right? People speaking in other languages, speaking in tongues, like there's crazy stuff going on everywhere, and what's happening there, this is the beautiful thing that's happening there, is what's happening there is crazy things are happening, mysteries of God, and I would suggest some of that's happening in here, right? God's been moving and speaking and stirring in some really, really cool and fun ways, and some ways that are a little scary to some of you in this room. But here's the beautiful thing that happened. When God revealed something to him, leaders like Paul were wise enough to say, I want to discern what God's doing. I'm curious as to what he's up to. I feel like this revelation I had was real and mattered, and so I need to filter this through other leaders who I believe are wise and look like Jesus. I need to filter this through the written word of God. I need to be a part of a family and a community that models mutuality. The greatest lost art in the church is mutuality. And mutuality is submitting and surrendering to one another. We don't know how to do that in our culture. In our culture, we've been taught it's all about us. It's all about our dream. It's all about our vision. It's all about looking out for number one. We've been taught consumerism and individualism since the day we were born, and it's ingrained in us that is a doctrine that is louder than the kingdom of God in our hearts. 
And what mutuality teaches us is that we submit and surrender to one another. And so when God reveals something to me, I don't just say, thus saith the Lord, we're doing this. I submit and surrender it to wise people around me. I submit and surrender it to the written word of God. I submit and surrender it to the character of God. I submit and surrender it to the life of Jesus. And we discern together, is God in this? And if he is, we go. I'm getting excited and y'all aren't, right? I, I'm, I'm telling you, this is, a, this is beautiful, guys. This is what the church does, is we mutually submit and surrender to one another. So we go to those of us in community and we say, I'm dreaming of starting a house church. What do you think? I think God wants us to be a house of hospitality. We, we, we go to one another and say, I think God's asking us to do a clothes drive for the community. What do you think? We go to one another and say, and guys, this is the beautiful thing. Our, our, our vision is that we want to awaken kingdom dreams. So you want, most churches, you know how it works? There, there's, there's the pastor that stands up front and says, here's, here's my 10 dreams for the church, and sign up in the back to fulfill our dreams, and we're going to pursue this dream together, and there's one dreamer in the church. You know what the kingdom of God looks like? Everybody's a dreamer. And the spirit of God is working in everybody's heart, not just the leadership of the church. And the spirit of God is unleashing dreams and visions in everybody's life and in everybody's heart. And breakthrough begins to come when we pursue everybody's visions, everybody's dreams, everybody's revelation, and God begins to work. I think spiritual maturity oftentimes is not trusting yourself. I think spiritual maturity oftentimes is learning to say, I don't always trust my motives. I don't always trust my heart. And so I need to have truth tellers around me. I need to have wise people that look like Jesus around me who I can submit and surrender things to and say, I think this is how God is working. What do you guys think? This happened this week, guys. I had this really exciting vision that I would love to tell you about, but I can't because I've not surrendered it and submitted it to some people yet. And I sent it to our local board and I said, guys, here's what I'm dreaming about. Here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I think God has spoken. Here's what's stirring inside of me. But I need you guys to say yes or no or affirm or deny or say I think God's in this or God's not in this. I need us to discern together where God is working so that we can move forward. I believe that the kingdom of God is gonna break through in Cobb County when we awaken a community of dreamers and not just have a few dreamers in our community. And I think it's gonna happen together when we begin discerning together. Um, Paul didn't discern his destiny until he let God out of the box. You understand this? Paul had been journeying his whole life trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do? He was devout. He was beyond devout. He knew exactly. He knew the word of God. He knew the written word of God. He was following devoutly. He was growing and, and, and crazy. But, but the moment that he let God out of the box, something happened. The moment he said, God, I think you have the capacity to meet me on the road and give me a revelation, something happened. The moment, and I just might want to suggest to you guys today that the moment that we become humble enough to hear from him and to receive what he's saying, that's when he might break through. The moment that we are, 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 are comfortable enough to receive him in a way that we maybe have never received him before, that's when he's going to break through. The moment when we humble ourselves, God shows up. All throughout the New Testament, anytime Jesus meets somebody, what does he do? If it's a humble heart, he heals them. If it's a humble heart, he gives them what they want. If it's a prideful heart, he sends them away empty. 
And we want to become so yielded to the Spirit that our hearts are so humble that we can receive from Him and that we trust that our destiny is discovered in His Word. Both His written Word, Logos, and His Rima Word, His spoken Word, His utterances, His whispers. I believe that God wants to give us the mind of Christ. It's all over Scripture, right? I've heard stories of inventors who had no idea how to invent the thing that they were supposed to invent, and then they had a dream from God. You know the Edisons did this? Had a dream from God, and suddenly they had a realization of, this is how I make light. Like, I believe that God, the mystery of God, can give us insight into every area of our life. Not just the church, your business. He can give you insight into your business. He can give you wisdom in relationships. He can give you all kinds of things. If we surrender and submit, his words create our worlds. You guys are not excited about this. His words create our worlds. Like As he speaks, worlds get created. As he reveals his dreams for us, Things get started. Things begin to stir. And so there are dreams that are stirring in this community right now that I believe five years from now, ten years from now, are going to transform Cobb County because God is speaking and whispering now. God is speaking and whispering and stirring to some of you around the idea of adoption and foster care. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God is going to birth a foster care or adoption agency or something that's going to come out of people in this church and something's going to come to life and bring life to the social statistics in our world that say this is broken. God is dreaming and visioning in our school, in our community. I've talked with some of you about schools you want to start a school where God is going to disciple young men, where God is going to teach and train in the arts, where God is going to do amazing things, and it's that dream, it's that whisper that leads us to our destiny. I'm getting too excited. I'm not even halfway done. Galatians, you better have eaten that sandwich because we're going for a while today. Um, Galatians 1, 13, sorry. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, how I tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. And then this phrase pops up, and this is, the, this is so beautiful. I want, I want you to say this with me. But when he. Say it with me. But when he. Say it again. But when he, I was doing this thing. I was zealous. I was pursuing it. I was chasing it. I was getting after it. But when he, who set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. But when he, I love this. This is the story of my life, guys. I was living this way, but when he broke through, everything changed. I was a high school kid who all I cared about was playing basketball, but when he broke through, I received Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I saw that there was grace and forgiveness for all the wrong that I had done. I saw that there was hope in the midst of my darkness. I began to have a vision for my life where I was going to preach. I began to find him in the written word over and over again, and I began to fall in love with it. And then all of a sudden, all of these people out of the woodwork started prophesying over me and telling me I'm going to preach to a bunch of people. But when he... Our stories are built on moments when he. And you know what I think today? I think God wants us to be a people that are hungering for more moments but when he. 
for more moments when he breaks through and changes our trajectory and changes our direction and changes our hearts and changes our minds and leads us to repentance and turns us from the path that we're going on to something fully new and fully fresh and fully exciting. But when he, can I suggest for many of you in the room, the greatest prayer that you can ask this morning is, Lord, can, you, can I have a but when he in my life? Can I have a but when he in my life this week? Can I have you break through in such a way? Can I have you break through in such a revelation that all of a sudden the trajectory, the future of where I was heading is transformed and changed? And here's the thing he says. He says, but when he, he set me apart. Every person that's reading this would think back to Abraham. Because God showed up to Abraham, he gave him a promise, and he said, I'm going to set you apart, which means I've called you to live distinctly from the world, I've called you to be in the world, but not of the world, and I want you to work in a different operating system now. I want you to trust me that I'm going to be the one that's going to take you to the land. You know what, God's initial promise to Abraham was not I'm going to give you the land, it was go to a place I've never told you about. There's a lot of you in the room who are waiting for him to give you the promise, and all he said to you is, I want you to put your foot in the water. There's a rushing river like Caleb, a rushing river flowing like we talked about in worship, and, and, and all we got to do is stick our foot in it, but we're not willing to take the first step. But when he set us apart to do the good works that he's planned for us, he called us by his grace. He called us with an understanding of our own unworthiness, our own brokenness, that we don't deserve to be called by grace, but we get to be called by grace. That we're called by a new name, that we're called to a new purpose, that we're called to a new identity. Living under grace means we understand our identity is not who we once were, but our identity is who Christ has made us to be. Living under the law means I'm constantly battling my old self. Living under grace means I know my new self and I know who I am and I know my creator. I know who he's made me to be and love is calling us. When Sarah and I were dating, uh, we could talk on the phone for days. Anybody in that like mode right now where you can, you don't have to tell us. Some of you in this room, you're, you're like freshly in love and you could just talk on the phone for days. Uh, like we get on the phone now and it's like, okay, here's what we gotta communicate to each other in the next three seconds. Because I got a meeting and I got a meeting and we gotta make sure we don't leave our children at home. Right? <laughs> but remember that time when you were just so in love that you just wanted to be called all the time? You could stay up all night on the phone together. I wanted to be called by his name. Like, I want to long to hear his voice the way that I longed to hear Sarah's when we were dating. Even more. I want to be called by you. I want, to, I want you to keep calling me, Lord. Right? Keep giving me words. Keep giving me revelations. Like, like somebody the other day came up to me and prayed for me, and they were like, hey, what gift do you want? And I was like, all of them. I don't, I don't like, can you, can you pray for all of them? I'll take all of them, right? I want to constantly be called. Uh, and then revealed his son to me. He gave Paul this amazing revelation where he revealed Jesus to him, where Jesus actually showed up and said, this is what I want for you. Like, I want that in my life. I want Jesus to show up on the road so that I could hear from him. Uh, 
One of the, one of the first times I was in college, and, and I was at this house, and, and there was this prophetic guy in the back, and he was just like sitting in the back corner of the room, like holding session, and all these people would, were walking in, and he'd pray for them, and then they'd come out crying. And I was like, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want to cry. Uh, and, uh, and this guy was like, no, you need, to, you need to go get you some of that. That was his exact phrase. You need to go get you some of that. And I was like, what's he doing? And he's like, he's just praying for people. Go in there, and he'll tell you what's up. And I walked in there, and the guy just started saying things to me that, I had, that were true. He started calling out things in me that I didn't realize or recognize. He started foretelling and started telling me about the future, and, and my heart just came to life in this. Because I want to be called by him. I want to see his revelation. I want more of that. So I'm telling you now, if there's ever a moment where I'm in a house and somebody's like, go get you some of that, I always do. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm I'm the most anxious person to get a prophetic word. Not anxious isn't a good word. I'm the most excited person to get a prophetic word around. Right? Anytime there's, I've got certain friends that are just super prophetic, hear from the Lord all the time. Every time I go out to lunch with them, I'm like, all right, now give me a word. (laughs) I bought your lunch. Give me a word. Right? I, I bribe, I bribe with lunches so that I can get revelation, right? I, I, I love this. And you know what we do every single week, guys, around here? We have a ministry team that stands up here full of prophetic people who can pray for you and who can give you some revelation and who can speak to you and who can call some things out of you and pray for you. And, and here's the thing. The worst thing that happens when somebody prays for you is you get encouraged, Right? So Sarah and I went up and this kid prayed for us the other night and it was the worst prophetic prayer in the history of prophetic prayers. Like it was, it was literally, I just wanted to train him. Like I wanted to stop and like say, hey man, can I help you? But I didn't. But, but the worst thing that happened was this sweet kid prayed for us. Right, that's the worst thing that happens is we get encouraged. So can I just say guys, every single Sunday there's ministry time, come get you some of this. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, we've got prayer people in our community who are saying to me, I'm hungry to give words to people, but nobody wants to receive them. What does that tell us about our community? I want us to have a hunger for the word of God, not just the written word, but for the spoken word, the whisper of him, the prophetic word. I want all of those things to begin happening. But when he, and then look at this next phrase, it's beautiful, in order that I, say that after me, In order that I, okay, say it again, everybody this time. In order that I, he showed up. He gave Paul a word in order that Paul might discover his destiny. How beautiful is this? In order that I might preach among the Gentiles. This is what happened. In order that I might do this. So he shows up. He reveals himself to us. He speaks to us, and he does this in order that we may go become the people of God. There's been all these visions around our church recently, around um, dreams and visions, around a wave coming in from the back door and filling this place. Um, Over the last year, the most common thing I hear from people when they are visiting our church is I walked through the door or when we started worshiping, I could feel the presence of God. I hear these things. And I was praying about that this week and and I think that's wonderful, guys. I want us to feel his presence 
and I want a wave to come through this door. But you know what I want? I want a wave to come through this door to bounce off of this stage and bounce out into the community. I don't want us just to feel him. I want us to experience him. I want his words to create our worlds. I, uh, my, my kid, I hate water parks. They're the, they're the worst place. In, I, I, I'm, I'm a little OCD, and I don't know whether that puddle I'm standing in is warm water or a child, right? I, I just, I hate, I hate water parks. I can't stand them. And we went to this water park, and it was one of those ones where the wave pool, it would come on this side of the pool, and then it would crash back to this side of the pool. And there was this constant wave that was flowing in and out and back and forth. And that's the picture that I have for our church right now, guys. A study was recently done, um, and it was a study of... If the church is really in the community, then the church has to be making a difference in changing the world, right? So if that's true, then the places in the world that have, in America, right? The places in America that have the most churches, they should be the best cities. So they made a list of a certain amount of cities that had the most churches. Can I just break the news? Atlanta was one of them. And they started comparing the social statistics of those cities to every other city. And you know what they discovered? Not one of those churches, not one of those cities is any different than any other city in America. You know why? The churches are better, right? The people that are inside the doors of those churches, their lives are transformed. But we've learned to let the wave come over us. We've learned to feel his presence, but we haven't let his words move us to in order that I. God's presence shows up in order that I. He speaks in order that I. He reveals himself in order that I. And I think the greatest question of our lifetime is, Lord, what have you given me in order that I might? Paul had an amazing revelation from Jesus in order that he might bring the gospel to every Gentile. And there's a lot of Gentiles in this room right now. That was, that was kind of funny, I thought. But there's a lot of us in the room. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of Jews in here, but it's, maybe I was wrong. Maybe there is. Uh, I, there's a lot of Gentiles in the room. The gospel came to us. His revelation came in order that we might be worshiping right now. And so today, I, I just want to invite us into a time of prayer, and, and I, I want to ask for some courage from some people in the room. I think something happens when we humble ourselves before the Lord. I think something happens when we say, I need you, I want you, I, I, I want you to show up. And, and, uh, and so here's what I wanna do. I, I wanna end today by praying for two things. And this has been my prayer for our church for the last year. I've been praying for God's presence and God's power. And, and I just wanna pray for that. And, and here's what I wanna do. Um, if you're in the room right now and you feel like, I, I wanna experience God's presence, but I just don't feel like he's close right now. I'm, I'm not hearing from him. I haven't heard from him. Or maybe you've only heard from him through the written word and you want to hear from him in a new way. Maybe you just want to say, I just need his presence in my life. I just want to ask you to stand up and we want to pray for you. If you want to say, I just want more of God's presence in my life, I want you to stand up right now. Go ahead, stand up. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, yeah. Awesome, awesome. 
Uh, I'm going to pray, and if you're seated around somebody who is standing, maybe just lift a hand up to them, put a hand on your shoulder, um, and I want to pray that God would begin to speak and move and that his presence would begin to work in our lives. So, Father, I pray uh, that you would begin to stir and move and work. I pray that you would begin to speak loudly and clearly. I pray that every single person that stood up would hear your whisper this week, that they would hear your utterance, that they would hear you stirring in their lives. I pray that you would give them dreams when they sleep, Lord. I pray that you would give them visions and that you would give them pictures of you. I pray that random people walk up to them and tell them things about themselves. I pray that you give them prophecy. I pray that you give them their but when he moment where you show up on the road and give them a revelation that changes their future. We trust, Lord, that you are all powerful, that you are able to speak and that you are able to move. And so we pray that you would teach us to be present to you and teach us to be available to you and teach us to hear you. And so Holy Spirit of God, everybody raise your hands in the air for a second. Holy Spirit of God, we humbly posture ourselves to say, speak. Speak to our church. Speak to our families. Speak to our relationships. Speak to our businesses. Speak to our dreams. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our children, Lord. I pray that they would hear, hear you more clearly than we do. I pray that they would experience you in ways that we couldn't even imagine or hope for. And I pray that the evidence of our favor with you is the lives that our children live. And so I pray right now that you would pour out your spirit on our children, that they would hear from you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, have a seat. We're going to do one more. We're going to do one more. Now, if you want to experience God's power, I want you to stand up. There we go. Right on. Come on. Come on. So, Father God, I pray that every standing person in this room would experience your power in a new way that they would see your power to break chains, your power to set the captives free, your power to heal, your power to restore, your power to redeem. I pray that because of today, relationships are restored. I pray that because of today, marriages that we, we thought couldn't be fixed are fixed. I pray that because of today, bodies are healed. Lord, I pray for any sickness in this room, and I pray that you would heal right now. I pray that you would show us your power in new and fresh and exciting ways because you're good and because you love us. And so we just say to you, we just surrender ourselves to you and say, we hunger for you. We want more of you. And we want more of your presence. We want more of your power. And so show us your power. And here's our commitment to you, Lord. You will always get every bit of the praise and every bit of the glory. So pour out your power on us, God. Let us see you working in the land of the living. Let us see heaven on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, in Marietta as it is in heaven, in our workplaces as it is in heaven, in our neighborhoods as it is in heaven, in our bodies as it is in heaven, in our families as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray for more of you. We pray for a fresh anointing. We pray for a fresh move of your spirit in this place. And Lord, we just say that we trust you. We say that we're open to you. We say that we're humble. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring a wave up into this place that changes us. But I pray that that wave would go back out those doors. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. We're gonna move into a time of communion. Uh, and so the communion stations are here. I wanna invite the ministry team. In fact, I just wanna invite some of our prophetic people 
um, Cecile, Graham, guys, just anybody that, like, prayers, come up front, because I think there's a lot of people that want to come and be prayed for tonight, and so, or this afternoon, so just come and make a line. If you want to be prayed for as you come, just come and receive from these folks that want to pray for you, uh, and uh, we're, the folks that are getting baptized, let's head to the back, and hey, if you're here today and want to get baptized, we got water, and, and we, we've got a pastor, and uh, we've got t-shirts that we'll give you. Uh, so come on up to the front right here and, uh, and, and let's go and let's celebrate baptism. But let's worship together. Come and take communion. Come and get prayed for. Let's, let's experience baptisms together. Thank you, Jesus.